Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Hi, you're listening to The Nine Line Podcast. I'm John Archiquette, and joining me is my co-host, Joshua Gray. How's it going, Josh? Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Back with another uh, Nine Line podcast, and for the first time in a, a few months, I think, we're going to talk about a topic that's not necessarily COVID-related. Wait, do we have those? We do, yeah. There are things that are not COVID-related that we can talk about? <laughs> um, we can, you know, bring up some news up front. Uh, the vaccine rollout is still going really well. Um, we are expected to hit our 10,000th dose tomorrow. Wow. So, Which will be today, when yes, you're listening to this. As of but, yeah. Friday, January 28th, it will be 10,000 doses, which is a pretty big milestone that puts us uh, ahead of most of the community and actually ahead of, of most of the other VAs across the nation. So um, doing some great work here. We've expanded our, our clinic to now allow 80-year-old veterans to come in for walk-ins. So you don't oh, longer require an appointment. Yeah. Um, and then 70-year-old and above, we are still uh, taking appointments for along with uh, uh, veterans who have other comorbidities or high-risk uh, health conditions. So it's still going very well. Uh, but again, we have other things that we do here at the VA that isn't just centered around COVID. So we want to address some of that. Joining us today, we have two brand new guests here for the first time. We have Jenny Childers. She's the Vision 21 Special Populations Program Manager. And we have Alexandra Allen. She's the Women's Health Medical Director and the, a primary care provider. Uh, and they're both here to talk about women's health. So welcome, ladies. Thank Hi, you for thank having you. us. Thank you for having us. So, you know, besides the fact that you have, uh, you know, a litany of job titles that put you way more qualified to talk about this topic than, than uh, Josh or I, <laughs> also being women yourselves, it uh, obviously, <laughs> you're, you're definitely more equipped to talk about this. Uh, women's health is a, a very important issue here at the VA. Uh, we have a, a very large growing population of, of women veterans. And, uh, you know, we're, we've been tailoring a lot of programs to, you know, to address the, the, the different concerns that, that exist in this demographic. Uh, first, I want to talk about one thing. When, when you walked in, Alexandra, uh, I saw that you had a lanyard that had both a Marine Corps and Air Force uh, emblems on it. Now, Josh and I are both Air Force veterans, and we've had a few Marines veterans in here, but it's rare that you ever see the split loyalty. Like, explain that a little bit. So, uh, as a bright and sunny 17-year-old, I decided that I wanted to do something out of the ordinary. So, I joined the Marine Corps out of high school. Um, so, I did that. Uh, for four years, I served um, as a generator mechanic or engineers. Uh, so, I dealt with a lot of heavy equipment and things like that. And um, primarily, I was in units that were male dominated and I was the only female most of the time. So I had a lot of big brothers and uh, the guys usually got um, basically pushed around because they couldn't keep up with me. So <laughs> so it was it was a big deal in that sense. But uh, I enjoyed my time in the Marine Corps uh, because it made me stronger, better. Um, it brought out things in me that I didn't even know existed. So that was that was really a good experience. And then after I uh, finished up in the Marine Corps after my four years, uh, well, prior to that, I decided I wanted to do something medical. And I wasn't able to do that while serving in the Marine Corps. So once I got out, I joined the Air Force. 
um, where I was a dental tech for a little bit. And then I went and taught um, PME. So I was an Airman Leadership School instructor for a little while. Um, And then I went back into my career field and I decided I wanted to be a nurse. And so like most of us uh, were doing, I went to school at night and, you know, did did all of those things to get my prerequisites. And then I decided the best way for me to be able to finish up would be to to get out. So I did um, after about nine years in the Air Force and I did uh, what we call the Palace Chase. A lot of uh, uh, air, uh, airmen may be familiar with that program. So I did a Palace Chase and went on reserve so I can finish nursing school. I did that and then uh, finished up my commitment. And then here we are. I get to take care of my people now. So I'm glad to be here for sure. So from being in a, a service that is not only male dominated, but you were also in a career field that was, I guess, more of a traditional or a job that probably sees more men uh, enlist with that MOS. Um, how was that experience going from that to the Air Force? Did you notice a large difference in uh, how you were treated as a woman? So the culture was definitely different um, between the Air Force and, and the Marine Corps for obvious reasons. Um, I, I felt that in both I was, I was treated, I would say from my experience, I was treated well. Um, I think that in the Marine Corps, the services for women, um, weren't as robust as they were in the Air Force. So things weren't, um, not necessarily tailored to, to, uh, women, but you could tell that they're, we weren't there, you know, we were there, but we weren't really there. <laughs> so, um, and that was my Marine Corps experience. Um, but in the Air Force, I, I felt that it was much more accepted to be, you know, a woman in service and things were just flowed a little bit better as far, even, you know, from medical care to just, um, you know, uniforms and things like that. Everything was was basically uh, more fluid as far as uh, being a woman was concerned, as opposed to in in the Marine Corps. So, did you have any experiences that were uh, that, that came from that service that made you that better informed how you treat veterans here with the VA? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, especially as I. Not not necessarily earlier, my earlier years, but as I as I grew um, in both of the services, actually, uh, I just know that as a woman, you you feel kind of invisible sometimes. Um, and coming out of that, most people and and I guarantee whoever's listening to this, there are women out there that feel that um, we we don't get that veteran recognition that um, that most that most of the men do. So if we are riding around in a car that has a veteran tag, oh, is that your dad or your husband or whose car are you driving? Because you couldn't possibly be the veteran, right? And you know, when I walked in, you guys were like, really? <laughs> you, were, <laughs> you were in both services? Like, how does this even happen? But you know, I was a skinny 17 year old and lo and behold, you know, here we are now and I, I, I see a lot of my patients, I think we're going into a whole other, (laughs) into a whole other realm now, but I see a lot of my patients and a lot of them feel that invisibility. And, and I really want to work hard towards 
eliminating that because we're here we've been here we're doing a you know we've done amazing things um you know if you if you look at the current status of the of the military now i mean some of the folks that that are that are leading us are are women and women of color and that is amazing i mean i think we've we've gone through um, lots of changes but it, it hasn't been without um, detriment to some of the people in the past. So. Sure. I mean, even you look at the Air Force right now, the uh, Command Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force yeah. is uh, Chief Bass. And you know, I, I, I've worked with her in the past you know, from afar, and I, I know that she's been doing some great things for women, um, even you know, just within the last week uh, that they, they changed the hair regulation for women. And I saw a lot of my, I, I'm a, a recent Air Force uh, you know, separate, separation, and a lot of my friends who are still active duty are, are ecstatic about that. You know, if they finally feel like, you know, some of the women's issues are being addressed. So it's good to see that from active duty. But, you know, in the VA, you know, there's kind of a, a stigma where there's a lot of you know older men here and things like that. So it's great that, that we're seeing this expansion of some of these women's programs. Um, you know, how does the, the VA here, at least in Southern Nevada, how are they reflecting the, the growing focus on health care for, for women veterans? I'll kind of address that to you, Jenny. Yeah, but, um, yeah so I think it's really exciting to, if I was a, a female veteran or a woman veteran, I would want to come to VA Southern Nevada Healthcare Services because um, not only do we have a large growing uh, population, but the services are there to meet it. Um, we recently got funding to build our own women's health clinic um, separate from the hospital. So, um, and in that building is going to be all encompassing of women's health services. And so they um, really uh, have a great leadership here at this VA to support women's health, to support the need and to continue the training um, that our providers need uh, to address those needs that our women veterans have. Um, I was on a call a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago uh, with some other folks in Nevada and um, a question was raised there that's kind of similar and it basically asked, uh, the, the veteran asked, uh, what is the VA doing to address the growing population? And um, I can tell you that VA Southern Nevada definitely knows the projection um, and we grow way faster than some, some of those projections. And so they have been, uh, shall I say, putting their money, money where their mouth is because they're, they've, um, we know that we're going to get that building. They're going to be adding primary care teams for that. Um, we have uh, space in the women's health clinic for veterans if they want to transfer up. So uh, just some, a really great um, program here. So something I want to uh, follow up on, on, on what you were saying earlier, um, and, and this is for both of you, uh, you mentioned that that invisibility, right? And, and we already know that veterans, you know, already feel kind of forgotten in a lot of ways once they separate and they, they feel that there's nothing out there for them. And there's a lot, you know, that leads to mental health issues and, and veteran suicide and things like that. So what steps do you, you both take to kind of mitigate that and, and, and try and show people that they're not forgotten, especially especially in, in the, that subset of female veterans where you have the normal, I've been forgotten as a, a veteran, but you know, you're coming out when you, know, you might also have felt more forgotten because of your gender. So um, I know <clears throat> for me, so I used to be the Women Veteran Program Manager here at Vegas. So a lot of folks maybe that are listening might remember me, but um, I know for me, it, it was really about um, 
creating a safe space, first of all, for veterans to come into, because I think that that sometimes can be very difficult. I've, now that I'm at the level that I'm at, I get to see a lot of other healthcare systems and um, hands down uh, the nicest welcoming space for the women's health clinic is here at this VA. And so um, so I think that's one thing. Um, but I think the other thing is really some of the events that we've done to, that are encompassing for our women veterans. Um, we, we try very hard or have uh, pre-COVID to do things that um, work with women uh, veterans that um, meet their schedule. So we've done baby showers, we've done um, the women's high teas to bring both uh, our DOD folks and um, the VA, the veterans um, together. And so really kind of promoting that. And of course, working with our fabulous medical media, um, but doing some of those campaigns to end harassment um, and some of the other um, kind of um, campaigns that we do to, to put on the screens and to put out posters and to put out literature that say like, hey, we're here um, and we should be treated as equals. So. So what's what's been the outcome of, of those programs? Like what what impact have you seen with those, those programs? Um, so, you know, for me, I think it's been really helpful because I think it's given a lot of the veterans that we've worked with um, over the last few years um, kind of a sense of ownership of the VA. Like there's people there that care for me. And so I'm going to continue. I've had a, several folks switch their care over from DOD to the VA. Um, and again, I, I'm not here anymore, but I know that when I was here, my veterans would come in and ask specifically for me to talk to me about certain things that were going on in other places in the VA. And so I think it's really, I can definitely see the impact of um, really trying to address um, kind of that, um, dis I wouldn't say discrimination, but kind of the, the invisibility of like, hey, the women veterans are here. Um, and I think the other thing I wanted to point out is I think sometimes when I came into the role ooh, four, four or five years ago, um, you know, I think women's health kind of had this reputation of like, oh, here they come. Here comes women's health. They want everything. And I just want to say that women veterans don't want everything. They just want the same thing that everybody else is getting. And so that's different. And so, um, you know, they they're not the. Uh, annoying uh, department down the hall, but they they do represent and they are representing the only uh, growing population of veterans. So uh, I think it's really important to continue to rem to remember that. And I know here specifically at Southern Nevada, um, we've taken steps, uh, some drastic steps to end harassment in our waiting rooms. Um, I know there's several different places uh, at the hospital that were hot spots, if you will, for uh, women not feeling comfortable and men not feeling comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's not just a, a woman's issue of being harassed. And so um, and so they you know, we've rearranged some of the lobbies and some of the waiting rooms and um, just really kind of setting up the um, bystander training for our employees. Uh, you see something, say something like it's not OK that you see somebody, you know, harassing another person. So. Um, the goal is to always uh, keep working on that. I don't know that it will will get to that finish line, but we always want to be aware and putting it out there so that folks uh, can identify like, hey, this is not okay. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to look at one of the events that are coming up for the first time that uh, will kind of address some of those issues that we have in women's health. You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. 
question. What will you find on all over-the-counter or OTC medicine packages to help you choose the right drug and use it safely? The answer, the drug facts label. This label lists the medicine's active ingredients and purpose, how much to take, and warnings you should know before using it. Remember, even OTC medicines you buy without a prescription can cause side effects you don't want. So follow the information listed on the drug facts label. For more information, visit fda.gov slash drug facts label. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can. But it's just as important to take time for yourself. AARP can help. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I didn't want to talk. She just sat with me. That was all I really needed. We got back. One day he called me out of the blue. And it's comforting to know that I always encountered him to have my back. She called me from time to time. I really didn't think I needed any help. It took me from being really depressed to feeling like somebody cared to give me some hope. Just that one text. Be there. Your call, your presence, your words, your support. Be there and help save a life. Learn more about preventing suicide at VeteransCrisisLine.net. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray. Welcome back to the Nine Line Podcast. John and Josh here, and we are joined by Alexandra and Jenny, and we are all talking about women's health today. So Jenny brought up a few of the uh, the programs we've had in the past that had to be postponed because of COVID that we've had, and women's high tea, uh, the baby shower. But uh, we do have some other events coming up that we are planning to kind of help alleviate that and do it in a social distance or physical distance manner. Um, so the w- first, Women's Health Day. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Alexandra? Sure. So... Um... In November, we hosted our first Women's Health Day, um, where we essentially brought in a team of providers and nurses to provide cervical cancer screenings for our uh, female veterans who otherwise wouldn't have been able to um, attend an appointment during the week. So the event is, was scheduled on a Saturday from 8 to noon. We contacted folks who were either overdue or coming up due. They scheduled their appointments, they came in and and they got them done. Um, We also were able to schedule for mammography. We we had mental health available to um, assist with any issues that that would have come up or um, they were also just there for informational purposes. So if anyone had any questions about what the services were available, we had um, folks there for that too. We had um, uh, some nursing uh, nursing personnel that was out there just giving out information. It was just it was a good event um, because although we were socially distant, we were able to bring folks in and just have a, a good um, information session and get the services that they needed taken care of um, during that time. And and that's really the most important thing. I work full time. For me to take off, you know, the whole day to have a 30 or 40 minute appointment, it's challenging. So we and we understand that. So um, that's why we decided to do this event on a on a Saturday instead of 
during the week sometime at some weird hour that just wasn't going to work for everybody. So um, moving forward, we're planning to do them quarterly. And our next one is scheduled for February the 20th. And it's from 8 to noon. Um, we are sending out uh, robocalls and uh, there will be postcards sent out and your nursing team, you know, if you're already an enrolled veteran, female veteran, um, and you're either due or coming up due for your cancer screening or for mammography, um, you're someone on your PAC team uh, should be contacting to say, hey, we have this event coming up on a Saturday if you want to take advantage of that. And uh, again, you, the same same thing still applies. So we'll be scheduling for mammography um, for those uh, bone scans. We're going to be scheduling for those as well. Um, we're going to be taking care of immunizations. Just all of the needs that that would be regularly taken care of during, um, I, I would say, a, a typical screening appointment for primary care. Uh, we're trying to capture those folks that just have a hard time, you know, getting to those appointments during the week. So this is just not all encompassing. So we're not going to be able to address all of the needs at that time. But those cervical cancer screenings, mammography, uh, things like that, uh, that are more of a prevention type uh, type of deal, then we'll be able to take care of those at that time. It's so, just, it, it's fun. It'll be a fun time. We had a good time last time, right, Jenny? Yeah, we did. It's blessed. It good. So that kind of goes into my next question. You know, we, we talked about having, you know, equal services available for, for women, uh, for you know, veterans. And, you know, there are, there are certain things that obviously we want to be able to have equal access to, but there are certain things that women veterans have to worry about that men vet, male veterans don't. Um, things like mammography, like cervical cancer screenings, things like that. Um, you know, how, how important is it to make women feel comfortable enough to come in here so that they, like, they can come get those screenings and to know that that stuff is necessary? So, so I'll I'll kind of take it into um, our how we structure our primary care. Mm-hmm. Um, we have at every clinic, uh, any any of the outpatient uh, primary care clinics in the valley, and including Perump and Laughlin, we have uh, women's health designated providers uh, available there. So essentially, you have a designated women's health provider who can. Uh, provide all of the primary care, look into all of the um, preventative uh, <laughs> preventative maintenance, right? Mm-hmm. So cervical cancer screening, mammography, all of those things. And the system is set up to, to essentially look at all of these things and make sure that we are paying attention to when these things are coming up due because the last thing you want is to miss you know miss an opportunity to um capture a cancer or or something like that for for one of our women or you know and the the men too but Mm -hmm. specifically you know cervical cancer and breast cancer are huge We've, we've lost so many people because of that and why why let it go when we have the opportunity to capture those folks? So um, having those designated women's health providers with the um, designated women's health teams at all of the uh, outpatient primary care clinics mm-hmm. in the Valley, plus Perump and Laughlin, um, and we have our women's health center here, 
these folks are that's that's what they do right we we're primary care providers but we are dedicated to the care of the woman veteran and so not only are we looking at the um, the prevention piece we're looking at what else is going on with you because women we're different our bodies are different you know our metabolism is different the way our body functions is a little bit different than how um, than how a man does so we want to make sure that the, the that the focus is not just, oh, well, because she needs a, a mammogram. What else does she need? How can we provide that service to her um, to make sure that she's getting everything that, that not not just that she needs, but that, that she desires as well? You know, we talk about um, contraception. We talk about, in, you know, infertility, things like that. These are things that come up. Um, menopause is a thing that comes up, you know, because I've got patients that range from age 22 to 95. So you have that entire um, spectrum and you have to be able to take care of that. And our, our providers are there and we are ready and we are um, very qualified to be able to do that, especially as women's health primary care providers. Um I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you talked about the age difference or the you know the age range, but there is a distinct age difference that we see between most of our male veterans and female veterans. Uh, the average age for a male veteran at the VA is 65 years old, whereas for women, it's 51. So it's a significantly younger population. Um, how does that change how we focus our health care? Well, I mean, the, the care is, is going to be the same. The care is going to be the same um, with regards to how we're um, bringing folks in and, and taking care of them. However, their needs <laughs> are a little bit are a little bit different. Where um, yes, the average is around in in the fifties for women, but we've got a, a lot of women of childbearing age. So mm-hmm. we've kind of adopted or. Um, Kind of customized what what we have available within VA and the change. I mean, you can you can uh, speak more on on that change um, with regards to like uh, infertility treatment and what we have available for contraception and you know just those types of things that the, typically the man doesn't have to think too much about. Sure. <laughs> These are things that 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 we as women have to think about. You know that that family planning aspect. The guys don't, not that they don't care, but it's not as prevalent for them. It's not as important for them because they're not the carriers, right? They're not the carriers, so they they don't really care too much about what's going on in there. But as as the woman, you know, you're thinking of, regardless of what age you are, the young ones typically are like, okay, well, I need this birth control for whatever reason. Um, you know, after you've had several kids, for the most part, you know, you've had several kids, it's like, eh. I need this birth control so I don't get pregnant, right? <laughs> I don't want to be pregnant. Or, um, you know, we've, we've got the gynecological services available, too, to address other issues that that can happen. You know, the fibroids, the cysts, any type of um, uh, cancers, any type of, uh, like, urinary issues. We have a urogynecologist on, on staff that, uh, that that's what they do, you know, they, they're here. And if we weren't, if the VA wasn't dedicated 
to meeting the needs of, of our women veterans, we wouldn't have those types of people on staff. Do you think there's a hidden benefit to being around the same age as the people that you're treating? I mean, you think about the, the, the average age of our providers, whether male or female, and when they're trying to talk to somebody who may be in their late 60s, early 70s, you haven't experienced and you're not going through the same things they're going through. But if if the female population is younger and you're about the same age, uh, do you find that there's a, a benefit to that? I think so. I think um, it for I think for the veteran, um, it makes them feel that they're not talking to their dad or, or their mom or whatever about whatever issues they, they may be having. And I'm not trying to say that you guys are in your 50s. Like, <laughs> you said you joined the Marines out of high school in 97. I joined the Air, I joined the Air Force in 96 out of high school. I can do math, so I understand. Okay. You know, But I, I just, you know, you mentioned that there's a, a range. You know, the average is the midpoint. There's mm-hmm. some older, there's some younger. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, definitely. I think, um, I think, it, it is helpful. Um, a lot of the, a lot of my older patients, uh, initially, they're like, you look like you're 20 something. <laughs> what do you know of what's going on with it, male or female? Um, but I'm not 20 something. And they, once you establish a relationship with them and you can, and that's the thing as a provider, I think it's important to um, just establish that that good working relationship with your patient. Like a lot of my patients now, they'll ask me about all types of stuff about family and this or that. And I'm like, hey, how's your how'd your wife's surgery go? So we we establish these relationships with them because we care. So and this is totally going to go into another thing. We are here. We providers, nurses, we're here in the VA because we want to be here. Um, we There are several um, different opportunities for us out, out in the community. And if we're here, it's because we're, we want to provide excellent service to our, to our veterans. And I really feel that wholeheartedly. I, I wouldn't be here if I didn't, if I didn't care about my people. And I, and I tell that to people all the time. I was like, you guys are my people. Mm-hmm. Like I served in two, ser- you know, in two branches of service. My sister's currently on active duty. My husband's retired Air Force. You know, it's like, these are my people. So I have a very vested interest in making sure that the services that we provide are adequate, if not exceptional. Like I need them to be above what they would be able to get out in the community. And, and here we are. So hopefully we can we can provide that to them. Jenny, as somebody who no longer works at the uh, the facility here, but you know, you still have that that uh, that sense of community. Do you come in from time to time and, and still see a lot of the same same veterans here? And is it, you still have that that sense of camaraderie? Absolutely. Uh, it was funny because I actually came up for the um, the first Women's Health Day uh, in November, and most of the folks I knew. So it's always good to see um, the veterans that come in and. Uh, I was I was really surprised to see some of the folks that I do know, uh, and, I, and I think that it does create kind of that that camaraderie and uh, being able to kind of uh, know that there's a lot of you know specifically in the women's health clinic because that's what, that's all we serve there is women veterans, um, but to know that there's a place that's specific just for them I think mm-hmm. is really uh, really key. I did want to po- um, comment on the previous question uh, about the age, yeah, and and maybe what might be important about that and. I think that one of the really uh, awesome things about that average age is that it's a fantastic age 
group to start preventative care. And so I'm not saying that our women veterans are, are not sick. Um, we know that our women veterans are actually, they come in with more diagnoses than our male veterans, meaning they actually are more sick. However, being younger gives us the better opportunity to start preventative um, opportunities. So programs such as our whole health program um, with complementary integrated health and yoga, um, saying to a veteran, hey, your A1Cs are getting a little high. Can we try something before put you, putting you on medication? And I think that's the huge added bonus of having that kind of age range that's younger than our male veterans is we have the opportunity to really um, either prevent um, some of that chronic, uh, those chronic health diseases, or at least um, halt them. And so I think that that's a huge added bonus for one of the veterans and the opportunity to kind of engage in those programs. And that's a, brought up a great point. I mean, having old health involved and, and trying to get those preventative care, it's not just for women, for men too. I mean, we, we all need to be aware of that and that, you know, to save us problems down the road. So, um, you know, again, one of the great opportunities to get some of those preventative care measures uh, for Women's Health Day was again February 20th, you said? February 20th, yeah, it's from 8 to noon. Um, it is by appointment, so um, if, if, uh, if you're listening and you feel that you may be due or um, coming up due for your cervical cancer screening, for a mammogram, any of those things, just call the Women's Health Clinic um and uh and they can look it up and see and get you scheduled accordingly for sure and we'll get the women's uh, health clinic number on the uh, the show line notes so uh ladies thank you very much for joining us today i really appreciate you guys being here and um we I, know, will, uh... I know the women's health number oh, what is it go ahead <laughs> it's, it's uh it's uh 702 um 791-9176 Perfect. So seven nine one nine one seven six. See, she got committed to memory. This <laughs> matter how long it's been since you've worked here. A years. So. Great. Well, thank you very much, guys, for joining us, and thank you for listening out there. We will see you in two weeks. You've been listening to the Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Las Vegas VA. Thanks for listening.